Hey there, boys and ghouls. Welcome to this week's episode of Hollow Weekly. This week's episode, who won 2009? What a year. What a year for horror. What a year for... It's a strange year for horror. I, stranger than I remember. <laughs> I The only thing I remember in 2009 was I graduated high school that year and I got an iPod Nano with a screen on it and I watched The Dark Knight the way Christopher <laughs> Nolan wanted everyone to see it on a, on a two-inch <laughs> iPod or whatever it was called. Oh, that was already happening. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's still a complaint today. That's a complaint with legs. Yeah, no, it's... uh. It was it wasn't good. I just I just watched the scene where he almost ran over the Joker and like the bat motorbike or whatever the hell they call it. And then I was like, when you know the what? truck flips, yeah. you watch that. Yeah, I, I, watched, I watched like the of biggest all scenes. Yeah, yeah, like the second wow. biggest set piece I watched in uh, my English teacher's class. So well, in terms of the horror variety, we're gonna pick uh, uh, basically gold, silver, bronze of who won horror and decide an ultimate winner. Um, but when I was assessing it, I was like, I can't even talk about the whole year without giving one of mine straight away. Like one of my picks straight away, because if I try to talk about the year, I, I'm going to have to point to a couple things that I'm about to talk about. So I can't do that. All I can tell you is that 2009 to me was a year that seemed to have a whole bunch of movies that I thought were eight or 10 or 2011. Like so many movies are in this year for yeah. some for some reason that I remember. No, there's a lot. There was even uh, I had to do some research of like what were the non horror movies because sometimes like oh yeah like we did when we did the '88 episode like yeah. I was like horror movies in 1988 and like Beale just wasn't over on there until I did regular movies and I was right. like I was like what else is it like, you're like you cast your net like what, what else am is I Big missing? Brother hiding from me dude <laughs> and what'd you find. Well, I, I'll tell you. Oh, okay. I'll tell you later. Well, tell me. Oh, tell me. No, well, okay. Well, is this, it your bronze? Because no, we can just so, do it. So we have bronze, silver, and gold. And then yeah. you and I, this both this this episode just happened to have a subcategory of things. That, you know, right. Like so here, let, right, exactly. Level. So let me, let me right, <laughs> plastic. I I love that. This we don't tell each other what what our choices are. No, we so try we're going to su- surprise. surprise each other. We do it when we can, and. But also, if we're going to pull a curveball on each other, we usually don't tell each other. For some yeah. reason, we like to like do it. Surprise. Live Surprise. Surprise, right? I don't know why. So uh, sometimes it doesn't work out that great, but this I time can... it's going to be amazing, right? So I, I pulled a curveball, and you told me you pulled the same curveball <laughs> right before the episode. I'm like, what the hell? We were totally insane. Do you want to start with curveballs? Uh, yeah, let's get, do it. Get to do the it. Tell, me your, tell me your curveball. So the thing that pissed me off the most was the loser of horror in 2009 well, it, the loser was me oh damn <laughs> okay that's like a hard turn <laughs> surprise <laughs> just like i was saying it sometimes no. it just doesn't work out go ahead why, why what i mean by that yes. was uh district nine came out okay that year, which i love that movie yeah i know and i'm not like the biggest sci-fi mm-hmm. nerd like you know, like William Shatner went to space yesterday, and everyone's like, Captain Kirk went to space. And then I watched the video, and he's just in space going, Oh, wow. And he just keeps like, Oh, like he just keeps saying, like, Oh, wow. And like talking about how amazing he is. And the top comment was, He sounds like he hasn't gotten a piece since 1989. <laughs> so, pretty good Shatner. Right? I, I want to like sci fi. Sure. Like, I really want to like sci fi more than I do. Like, you know, I like Star Wars and all that shit. But like, District 9 was like the first sci fi movie where, like, because the problem is, buying the world and getting into the world because sure. sci-fi is so heavy on like if you dig like that atmosphere right. that environment district nine was great like i loved the it's so weird knowing you i would have picked district nine 
as a surefire thing you would love. Yeah. Just working backwards. Yeah, totally. Okay. But I, so I love the movie. I love the VFX. And I think, what's his name? Like Neil Block and Blah, Blah, Blah. Sure. Like, Logan, yeah, yeah, he's got that cool. I always feel like in the, on the, like, Hollow Weekly Facebook page or on, like, the group, they're always, like, a, an article of, like, his next film's coming out. And it always has, like, crazy cool monsters and VFX. Right. The thing that pissed me off the most was at the end of District 9 when the alien goes uh, and he's like I'll be back in like 10 years or he gives him like a super long date uh, I remember seeing it with my friend Cody and being like so do you think like they'll have a movie out in like 10 years <laughs> and that 10 years went by like 5 years ago like Indeed. like it's it's been way too long yeah that I know that feeling sucks because I thought it was going to happen to me because Twin Peaks explicitly said we'll be back see you in 25 years i mean it's literally one of the last things the show itself ever told you yeah we'll see you again in 25 years and then 25 years came around and nothing happened and david lynch was just you know wood doing wood carvings and i was like god damn it <laughs> but then all of a sudden it came in the 26th year and i was like all right count it <laughs> yeah so i can imagine five years on how i aggravated you must yeah because it was a great movie like yeah. i really liked it i liked how it had that you know uh mockumentary kind of style mm-hmm. and then like it switches over to action mm-hmm. like it's like kind of like two different genres right mixed in with sci-fi like yep. all on top of it so the fact that you know i got blue balled into thinking like and oh, you yeah. love cloverfield like you like kind of yeah yeah that's... anytime there's like monsters in like a slightly shaky camera i'm like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm a you could say i'm a big fan of motion blur <laughs> It's kind of my jam. That's so a- I was the loser, hoping that there would be some sort of follow-up. I think he did, like, Chappie, or he did some other movies, and yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got some other stuff going on there, too. He seems that, like a pretty cool dude. That, that's the problem, is D- District 9 became less remarkable when everyone started carving out their own unique niches of, of like, basically sci-fi horror or, or that kind of whatever that genre feels like, right, mm-hmm. was a lot rarer then than it is now. So there's a lot less demand for it now because people are getting five or six movies like that. It's also got a little bit of body horror in it, too. It does, but that's why like, Event Horizon was so remarkable. It was the only thing like it, around it, yeah. for a while. Right? I don't know, what's, what would be the, like, the, the District 9 of, the, I guess, the 20s? Oh, God, I don't know. Or the 2010s? I, I thought you meant 1920s. I was going to tell you Metropolis. <laughs> hey, <yo. laughs> that, that could work. <laughs> Go backwards on you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think there's anything else quite like it. Right. No, there's not. It's just that unique niche demand seems to get filled by. Oh, so Jupiter's. Ascending, oh, I guess ascending. Dune's coming out this month. So that exactly, would be the... we're getting a lot of these. Yeah. Like weirdo off angle Blade Runner esque. You know, kind of things. Yeah, Blade Runner didn't do that. <laughs> so, all right. I can't do my curveball without telling you the bronze. So I'm just going to go okay, into right. the bronze winner. So um, my bronze, I'm giving the bronze. This is the only idea one. The other ones are people or and or movies or shows or whatever. But I'm going to give this one to Double Wins. <laughs> Double Wins were the winner. Double Wins? Were the, were, yeah, we're the bronze winner of horror. That sounds like a hotel in a horror movie. The Double Wins <laughs> the Hotel. Double- Hotel resort. I'm picturing a typewriter where it's all jacket, all working to play. So um, by double win, what I mean is when you uh, go, you went to go see one of uh, one of the great, and there were a lot of really good horror movies in 2009. You went to see a movie in a theater expecting one thing, and almost every time you went, you got something else great too. Yeah. Right? I'll give you an example. You would have gone to go see Dead Snow, to see like a zombie movie, but you would have found out that you were actually in an immersive video game 
for like 90 minutes. Like yeah. Dead Snow is a straight up video game. I rewatched it the other day. And I'm like, wow, this is so ahead of its time because it's literally like Doom in the snow, like the way it's filmed with great performances, which you don't usually get. And lots of blood. And lots of blood and just like a great concept of kind of thing. If you went to see Splice, you went to see a horror movie and you got some great effects on a sheet on a really low budget. 2.5 million for the effects that were in there is amazing. Like I would have really, 2.5 right? million. That's it. That's all, the, that's all the budget that movie had. But um, you went to go see Splice for some horror, some science horror, mad scientist horror, body horror, whatever. What you got was great parenting advice right (laughs) this movie was also explaining to you all the things not to do if you're ever kind of a parent in any in any way whatsoever they made every bad decision you can make from a parent and the child took out its revenge in a truly evil set of actions that are just so it turned out this movie was french canadian and then released in America the year later. Mm. So they had, they're a little more extreme than we are. They're a little, little they they throw some punches we put don't throw. Put gravy on fries. They put gravy on fries, right? But there's some turns of events in this movie that are, are really evil. So you, you don't expect that from a movie starring the great Adrian Brody, which <laughs> I, I keep for some, uh, for our podcast, identifying horror movies with Adrian Brody in them. I don't know why, because it, it's weird. He was in The Jacket, which is, I thought was one of the best movies. He's in like all the Wes Anderson movies and like (laughs) exactly. He's in the fucking pianist, but he's also in Predators. I mean, this guy is um, is pretty. He got jacked for that too. Pretty, pretty, which is weird because that that is always weird. That that dude looks like he constantly weighs eighty pounds. (laughs) Yeah, but it's also weird to think because then I just picture him like breaking the piano and the pianist when he tries to play it, (laughs) like going back there like King Kong style, like (laughs) I ain't here to take a live (laughs) reset. Splintering pianos everywhere. Um, but almost every, so when you went to go see last house on the left, you thought you were going to see what you hoped was a pretty good, you know, remake or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what you got was one of the great edibles scenes, as I call them in, in unexpected edible scenes in horror. If you were just watching that movie and you'd taken a, a edible of a certain kind, and then you were just going along with the movie. Right around when you get to the kitchen scene at the end, you would have your mind would have been blown, right? So, this movie was giving you um, unexpected wins by kind of sabotaging you with thinking it was not as brutal as the previous movie, but saving it all up for kind of like one hilarious, like Gonzo moment, mm-hmm. just, just good stuff. So, I felt like every movie that I was finding here in two thousand nine was good at two things simultaneously. Oh, okay. So like Zombieland was good at actually keeping a little bit of the fright in comedy, right? Matter of fact, this was a good year for horror comedies in general, right? But whether you're getting horror comedy, whether you're getting horror and good advice as a parent, whether you're getting horror and video game style at the same time, these movies were trying multiple things at the same time. You went to see Friday the 13th, and you thought you were getting a remake of your childhood classic, but you were getting Wolf Creek 2, and you didn't know it. <laughs> right, surprise, as we said at the beginning. And of, Jason sponsored um, by Nike. Now the tunnels just... Just slash it. So, right. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, there was always an, a little bit element of the unexpected where you didn't think you were going to get it. You were watching Splice thinking... 
that you were getting a, a, a rip off of species and it was just gonna be like a fun roller coaster ride like, yeah, spe- yeah, like yeah. species was and by the time you're done with splice you needed a therapist <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, this i like the way the movies uh, like disguise their punches in this year so that's my bronze um but i I can't do the curveball now, so I'll I'll try to save that to the end because I just realized it gives now away two of mine. It's an extra curvy ball. It's an extra curveball. All right, <laughs> all right, hit me with your bronze. All right, my bronze winner. Every rainy day past two thousand nine, you have the perfect movie to watch. No, Coraline. Damn, that's I. F- I wasn't even on my list. I forgot all about it. I wasn't going to put it on my list. I actually have. Uh, Another thing that I'm going to actually wedge into my real silver, but <laughs> I love Coraline. I think I, that is one of the coolest. It's actually probably one of my favorite stop motion movies like ever sure. of all time. And it's also got, it's, I, I, I think it's hands down. Like if it's, you know, we're in, you know, Southern California. So rain isn't the, you know, the norm, the norm here. But I always feel like when it's raining, there's like two movies that we'll put on that will make life fantastic. So it's either, uh, God, what was it? My neighbor Totoro. We watched that one last time, right? And that right. was that was great. Like we both, it was like so relaxing. We fell asleep, and then Coraline. That's the one with the taxi in it, right? Yeah, the cat taxi. The cat taxi. The, yeah, right. Know, that, I that, remember that, this. That kind of stuff. Uh, but Coraline, I think, is my favorite stop motion animation movie of all time. I, I, I over all the other Leica stuff. Like some people like. Uh, was it Kubo and the Two Strings? Sure, sure. Uh, Box Trolls is also really good. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the biggest fan of Paranorman. Like, I kind of want to give it a rewatch this October, but it wasn't my favorite. What you think it would be, given the yeah, there's a lot of excitement for that one. Given like you know the fact out. that there's like zombies and ghosts and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that in there, but there's something about Coraline, Neil Gaiman. That's what it is. Well, yeah, but it's that's... so it's interesting to me that you're identifying it as a rainy day movie and then pulled out one that I'd never tried in a rainy day wouldn't have never I would have never thought of it as a rainy day movie because there's something really great about finding movies for certain times yeah right there's it's 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 such a good feeling when like I, I had we had even talked about this on a previous podcast episode where I had found this um, Scandinavian horror movie just called Saint basically set near Christmas and Oh, I always yeah. like to find one good horror movie at Christmas, and I couldn't do it the year that year. Every movie I watched that I hadn't seen before, even if they came with great recommendations, weren't great, or I didn't enjoy them as much as I should, or whatever. So, like, literally December 24th, I'm wrapping, and then I caught this movie at the last minute. It, like, saved horror Christmas for me. So I just have such a good feel. So, like, finding movies for good occasions is great. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Coraline lines up like that it's, it is i can't wait to, for it to rain even six it, months from now yeah. in la <laughs> during june, june <laughs> thanks for Bloom. thanks for doing this to me no like even even like the sound I, I i actually ended up putting some of the soundtrack in the hollow weekly uh the spotify playlist. horror playlist yeah. that's now you know it was already pretty long <laughs> i think it was like over a day long of like that's amazing horror music and it. scores um but there's we're still, going for day two. Yeah, we're going for <laughs> starting on this episode. We're going, we're going for, for day two. Yeah, well, day two you got to you got to start putting some real abstraction in there to make day two happen. Otherwise, you know, true. A lot of the horror movie scores out of context just don't really. Hello, Philip Glass. Really, yeah, <laughs> Philip Glass. Is, <laughs> Philip Glass needs. I, I need to get him a back <laughs> brace <laughs> for carrying thirty three minute stretch of carrying that list. Uh, no, but I think I think Coraline. There's there's something what like what makes it good for a rainy day. There's a very tranquilic feel 
to the movie because you know it's 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 a, you know they go into this house and you know it's a little girl exploring this, this right, house right. and it has a, you know the door that takes her to like the other mother and it's just everything's just kind of flipped but it's got like a really slow but steadily moving pace that just kind of feels like when you're listening to the rain like it just the way you listen like you know if you you know it reminds me of like in ohio sitting on the front porch when it rains and you just kind of like sit there and mm-hmm. like that same tranquility is like the pacing of this movie That's it's it's really weird so it's actually a vibe for that yeah but okay. then but then also for like the horror aspect of stuff like there are actually like cool unsettling things in it like the other mother the other father right uh i think terry hatcher does the voice of the mom and she gets like pretty pretty scary and oh Keith David's the voice of a cat. So, like, I mean, what else do you want from me, man? Like, Sounds that's pretty trickle. That's all. That's all. That's all you really need. And and it's a it's a, they 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 changed it. I never read the book, but um, in the movie, there's a uh, another character that they added into it. But you have a you. Have, oh, and it's also directed by Henry uh, Selick. I think the guy who did Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, okay. he actually directed Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, there's always right uh, it's not every Tim Burton, every, right. every Halloween time. You know, Tim Burton actually didn't direct. It. Yeah, we we know. <laughs> Which is, you know what? Let me bring this up. <laughs> the reason nobody nobody cares about that fact is when you followed up with Harry Selling. You're like, <laughs> who's that? <laughs> now you can say he did Coraline, and here's here's the That's thing. That's good. I just went back home to Ohio. We got to premiere a, a movie that we mm-hmm. made, which is a really fun thing we got to do. One guy walked out of the theater, said it was terrible. <laughs> I, it was great. Only one? O- awesome. Only one. That's a good sign. Other people, we stuck around for the Q&A. Uh, but when I was home, uh, we would put on like Freeform or AMC because they always have the, the movies going on. And they had Corpse Bride on. And I've never seen Corpse Bride. And that was the stop motion directed by Tim Burton. Mm-hmm awful like that is not good like it is it is genuinely not a good movie like it's fun to look at like i remember i went to the when we first got our cats we went to the vet in los Feliz, and they had it on the background and i'm like this is a perfect i'm putting it on the background and not paying attention See, you to got movie. purposes for these movies yeah so that movie if you're not paying attention and you just want to look up and see you know a cool character design great if you're trying to watch it put on Coraline. Like so Coraline not a stormy day, a nice rainy day, nice foggy-ish, mistish, cool like, day. Cool day, perfect for that. Uh Corpse Bride dentist, got it. <laughs> Funeral. <laughs> Funeral. Got it. Well, that's appropriate. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love it. I want to I want to come up with a more rainy day playlist and add some uh, I think Cor- Cor- for me, Coraline would... Because would, would I have talk. a feeling there's some other movies in 2009 that would go on this. I actually can think of two. I just don't want to bring it up yet. <laughs> that <laughs> but, would actually do really well with Rainy Days. Yeah, so Cor- Coraline, you 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 are the you are the bronze winner. So whenever whenever Perfect. I see a, you know, a little bit of sprinkling outside, I'm like, ooh, maybe we should, uh, maybe we should turn that on. Well, I'm shutting the spring down. We're going foggy, sinister, silver. My silver award is to documentaries. Can Don't I, pick the same documentary as me. God damn it. Do Nick, not pick the same documentary. I have to. Is, Wait, do we have the same silver? We might because I'm going to talk about the three best documentaries in this year. And one of them starts with the letter C. And one of them starts with the letter B. And one of them starts with the letter N. Well, the B one is... Is the one you're going to talk about. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll just kick that to you. That's fine. There is a movie... That starts with. We'll share the silver. So you get the get the other two out of the way, and then we'll is it share a three word title. Yep. <laughs> fair, fair enough. All right, definitely is. All right, let me shift gears here because there are two other. That's okay. I'm equally passionate about all these. 
So I'm not going to talk much about this one. I'm just going to say that okay. Cropsy came out in this year. Cropsy is a really interesting yeah. phenomenon as a documentary, right? Because it's weird. I never rewatched it. I always rewatch thing, the things I really love. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I've never been pulled to rewatch this. So I don't know what that says about the movie. I enjoyed it when I watched it. I just haven't rewatched it, right? But the thing is, is that movie was like when you go out of your house and there's someone standing on the sidewalk across the street and they're just they're just standing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> they're just they just don't look right. They're not doing anything. There's nothing you can call them on. But they're just like the body language there's something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Cropsy felt like that. It just never fit. The cover art was terrible. That was the one about the uh, New Jersey the, or something the, like that. Right, the like urban the, le- So yeah. right and the thing is it has that Candyman kind of feel because it's mm-hmm. one of the few true stories that sort of became an urban legend that had enough cachet. It's almost like mini Slenderman. Like yeah. Slenderman for that area. Yeah. Right? But the thing is, there's something so haphazard about this movie. The way it was made, the way it's shot, the way it presents itself. It's just shabby. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like that rust colored. It's it's like what set the New York looked like in the 70s during the crime wave. Yeah. That's everything about this movie looks like it's that. Fuzzy. Right? It's fuzzy. It's yeah, fuzzy. Right? Yeah. Bad fuzzy. Right? So... Um, it just is, it's got, it's just, I've never rewatched it either. That's really interesting. It's just standing there out of the corner of my eye across the street on the sidewalk, just standing there wrong. It's one of those movies where like, I thought it was just like, okay. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. think it was the best thing, but, but if I were, you know, 13 years old. Right. And I was, you know, walking home, you know, on the bike trail or in the woods, just the name Cropsy would, you know, send a shiver up my spine. Totally. It ran the name. It's kind of great, too. It has a great name. But um, the best documentary I can't talk about because you you took it. But no, we we, we both. (laughs) This is a joint presentation. presentation. Yeah, yeah. But I I just want to. I said I wasn't going to talk about Cropsy. I ended up talking about a lot. But the, the real other documentary that's just gold here. I gave it. Why well, I gave it a silver is um, <laughs> uh, nightmares in red, white, and blue. I saw that on the list. Such a great, just kind of comprehensive overview. And what really is cool about it to me is it. it this is not like rah rah, like American, like whatever. It's just it was so cool that America had reached the point that it could get the kind of documentary that was an overview the way you can do for all the European and all the other uh-huh. like cultures. Like I grew up watching, you just randomly come across these great weird things off BBC or whatever that were the history of horror. And then you, they'd start with, you know, old British horror movies and radio dramas and then transition to European horror and hammer castles and, Whatever, and then it would be like the history of American horror, and like the history of American <laughs> horror was like Steven Spielberg was born or whatever, right? Yeah. Like Hitchcock was from Britain. They, they glance over right? it, right? And then we did all the Universal stuff, or whatever. But no one wanted to talk about that. That like whatever they just wanted to. I mean, we, it was all kind of its own thing. Yeah, because so. when they had Hammer, they're like, well, yeah, we got the right, but it was all set in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> so ironically, the most our biggest successes just all still feel European, right? Yeah. So Nightmare, like. It was one of the first documentaries I remember watching and and thinking. I mean, this is this is treating it like its own recipe. Like there is a recipe yeah. for what what American horror is, and they're starting to like do the archaeology thing where they brush off the edges yeah. with their little fucking brush, right? And, like try to figure out the outlines. So, so goes, of, <laughs> right, I have the hunter. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like right. Like what is American horror, and where do you put the pieces, you know, together or whatever? So. 
Um, I really appreciated it, it, it for that. It's really well presented. I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't know how it aged exactly, but I still... I have great memories of it, and between that, Cropsey, and the one you're going to say, well, this yeah. is just a good year for documentaries. All right, Silver so, so Awarded. So now the joint, the joint Silver Award. This is rare. Joint, so yeah, this is very rare. Except for- Rare that we also put it in the same spot. I could have let off with it. I was, I, was, I was toying with it. I almost, right before I, I did the bronze, almost flipped Coraline to Silver, but then I was like, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's a, yeah, it has to happen during a rainy day, not a lot of rainy days. So it's clearly, clearly bronze. But okay, so Silver is best worst movie. Indeed. Indeed what a is. good documentary that is! God I've, damn it. I, uh, you know, speaking of rewatching, I've seen I've I've seen this twice, and the first time I watched it, we didn't even get all the way through because something came up. But like, one of the things you like to talk about when like reviewing a movie is like the memorability mm-hmm. test. Mm-hmm. And I remember where I watched it, where I sat. I remember uh, I remember my friend throwing in a California pizza kitchen in the oven. Oh shit. And I remember it have I, re- I even remember picking off the tomatoes watching oh, like shit. like my memory of that. This is what I'm talking about. This is the sign of a great movie. Yeah, that I rem- everything is so is totally. so clear. And then I remember showing it to you like I was right. like we were we were trying to watch something and nothing, nothing we couldn't figure out something mm-hmm. and then I was like well, let's just throw a Hail Mary here and th- I talk about an enticing like sucks you in movie unbelievable so, i mean and just just so interesting for those who don't know it's about troll 2 <laughs> the movie that has nothing to do with troll 1 <laughs> with a director who knows how american girls dance right you mean the fellini of horror yeah <laughs> yes. it is <laughs> that guy is an amazing character that no, so, and he's not even the most amazing character in it. And in any other documentary, he would be the central amazing yes. character. But but, but you, he's not. you have the dentist. He's not the dentist. Yeah, you have the dentist who's now a main actor. Mm-hmm. You have these people who have like no experience and insane with power. Can we just say that that dentist? I don't think he realized it was happening to him, but he went insane with power. He might as well have just been running around being like, "It's alive!" Like he was the Doctor Frankenstein of sudden fame. He just all of a sudden wanted everything to do with everything that was this experience. And then he ran into a couple of bad experiences and he was like, I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> Such an amazing turn of events. No, and the, the, even the even the director who like kept telling everyone they don't know anything like about American culture. And they're like, dude, we're like in the heartland making this fucking movie. Uh, my favorite part of that movie, though. <laughs> Is uh, and I don't I, this movie. This movie is pretty widely available. Like I think we found mm-hmm. it on like YouTube for like a dollar ninety nine or something yeah. like that. Like it's, so, it's, I mean, it's it is. I mean, and it shows up on Prime and like like out of like all the like things it. this year, like if like for the listeners, if I was like, there's one thing, like there's good movies. Like we even have the gold medal. We got to talk about like yeah, I this would, isn't even the gold. I would I would actually say watch this movie first because one, it'll tick off the horror stuff for you. You get to learn about a really shitty fun horror movie, <laughs> but then you get to meet the world's most psycho director ever yes my favorite part of that movie and this isn't a spoiler because even if i tell you what's gonna happen <laughs> you seeing this guy's the fact you're talking about spoilers about a documentary is just a sign that of came how out, fucking that, good this documentary came out so years <laughs> ago when would you ever be talking about spoilers in a documentary dude <clears throat> the part when he goes this to the screening to see troll 2 and oh. he he thinks dude. everyone's there because this is like his magnum opus like he thinks that he made so, totally. like <laughs> He I mean, thinks, he is so sure. He thinks he he outperformed Hitchcock, and then he realizes everyone's there to watch this movie because it sucks. <laughs> the look on his face 
when he realizes that like no the, nobody's here because you know they're mo- they're moved to tears by troll too. They're here because this movie's fucking crazy. Well, and and th- there's a internet meme that I love actually of uh, this little dog who's walking in the middle of the road, and there's just everyone on both sides of the road just cheering. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Throwing confetti in the air and blowing horns, and this dog is just so pleased. And it, it, it's always some variation of when you think the parade's for you or whatever, yeah, right? Because yeah, yeah. he's just, they're there to celebrate the Feast of St. John or something. And this dog, <laughs> dog is dog's like, you shouldn't have. <laughs> like, you shouldn't have. Right. So, but it reminds me of that. It reminds me, his reaction was, I mean, he thought he was that dog. And then he realized he's just the dog. I don't, I don't even think he ever, like, came around to the idea that. <laughs> no, he still thinks we're all wrong. He thinks we're wrong right now. He's probably listening and he thinks we're dead wrong. He's going to send us a, fart full, a box full of farts <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. That, um, I absolutely adore this movie. I, I It's hard not even making it the goal. It's just this was a really good year for, for horror. But also, it, they do they do such a great job at the production of it and the characters around it. And I think it, I, the movie's directed by, I believe the kid in the movie. It was one of the actors. Yes, totally. Who, who, totally. who went to the go kid do from it. troll too. Right. Yeah. Yep. So you have someone who, <laughs> who was inside of it. Right? <laughs> yeah. He, he, he so normally you have, you know, like a, like a fly on the wall kind of person who, you know, loves the movie. Then they totally. go and they make the documentary. But the fact that like the person who was there was like, I, I, <laughs> we need to revisit this. Right. And there are, there are legitimate dramatic beats in this movie. I know that that's not as mind blowing now because we are all used to documentaries doing the, the true crime, yeah. you know, the Jenks serial thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this isn't true crime. This is just an entertainment documentary. Like if you're watching never sleep again, there's not supposed to be like edge of your seat dramatic turns, but they go on a voyage in this movie to go visit people who were actors in the movie, and it takes a really dark turn. It, like I remember, I got really uncomfortable thinking, "Why? What's happening? How is this movie making me uncomfortable?" It's just like this feel good documentary of it, I, of this success story of whatever. But there are moments where it just it goes places you don't expect. But what's cool? What my favorite thing. And then I'm done. I'm done talking about <laughs> Troll Two. Which I never thought we'd say that. Um, is at the end of the documentary when they asked the dentist, like, "Would you do it again?" And he was like, "Oh, absolutely!" <laughs> like he would do it in a heartbeat. The fact that like you get to see behind the scenes of how shitty and crazy and wild this is, and like what a ride it is. Right. That all these years later, they're like, "So would you?" And he was like, "Oh, absolutely!" Like that's there's such some- a good point because that's you know you ask yourself when you see people doing when you see politicians clearly lying clearly humiliating themselves Mm -hmm. like in public saying things that are just you know are false or blatantly false and everyone knows they're false the people standing behind them who work for them know they're false you can see it on their face (laughs) they're looking down the ground but they're still doing it but they're doing it for this that Mm -hmm. the, the whatever ride you go on there are certain people who enjoy certain kind of rides right this dentist the show business like convention getting recognized on the street getting offers to do other roles that ride was was his magic ride it's that one great roller coaster that's better than any other roller coaster at the park for you right mm-hmm. and you know that you you get that in other senses but he really you it explains why a lot of people do the crazy things you see them do is they're on that version of the ride for themselves and nothing's going to stop them no. and even if it's Oh, even if it takes really bad turns and becomes not worth it at all, obviously they're still going to do it again the first chance they get. Right? Yeah, which is 
So that's troll. I mean, uh, best best worst movie. I can't recommend that movie. You know what? You can it, recommend it higher. You could have given it a gold. I could have. Okay. I could have given it a gold. I was gonna say, you know what? When when you're done with Coraline, <laughs> just slap that movie in. You know, throw preheat the oven to 450. Get a California pizza kitchen, uh, pizza kitchen, uh, with tomatoes. Pluck all them bitches off. I love it. that you remember the experience of it because that is that to me that's, that, the, that's the real treasure. That's 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 the sign that you've just experienced something great. All right, I'm choosing an, uh, a I'm choosing two people as my winner, but I, also the movie that they did. And I, as soon as I tell their names, it's going to be. I away. So have a feeling we I, might land. We probably same. are on the same thing, but so this is going to be a really short game. Uh, I'm tell me what the movie is, right? So the Chicago Tribune at the time called this movie a gruesome paint-by-numbers mess, right? The the L.A. Times said its self-conscious splatter over a sorely lackluster scare flick and the great... Wait, and it also says it can't muster up even a modicum of suspense and has no zing. Who writes that your movie has no zing, right? And then the great Roger Ebert, three stars. Um, <laughs> said, being what it's about, it's probably better than it needed to be. <laughs> <laughs> what movie are we talking about? Oh, it's got to be Drag Me to Hell. Oh, it's not. But <gasps> guess who Jennifer's got... Jennifer's Body. Yes. Ooh. Nailed it. Guess who got it right? Of all the Chicago Tribune, Ebert, Washington Post, all these New Three, York I wrote New York though, Times. gave it some credit. That's, it's not bad. That wasn't you a threat. It right. New York threat. Times. Three out of four. That's, considering, <laughs> well, considering where that dude was... Especially on horror, yeah. Because right? yeah, okay, okay. But who, okay, who so. really got it right? The only entity that existed that could have possibly reviewed this movie the way it deserved. Kenneth Turan. MTV. <laughs> MTV <laughs> called it brilliant. <laughs> Man, they must have gone on to great things because they were so successful. Yeah, they're this. like, you know what? We stopped doing mu- music by then, so we better start watching some some horror movies. So my gold medal, the, the winners of horror in 2009 were Karen Kusama and Megan Fox because Jennifer's body is not only a masterpiece, but a prototypical uh, uh, example of. First of all, you might just not be right about movies at the time, right? We might have done an episode last week where we said something about a movie that we're not going to feel 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a way. I was toying with the idea of, you know, not even reviewing movies by ratings or Rotten Tomato scores or whatever, but just by the range of possibilities that someday they'll become better than they are right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Like what is the what are the chances like what are the odds like if you were betting horses? at a racetrack and you put five movies in front of you and the movies were quiet place to don't breathe to, um, you know, annihilation. Um, and you had to bet on one of these movies being considered great 10 years from now, where would you put your money? Like what, yeah. are, the, what are the betting odds? Right. I feel like betting on annihilation in those examples was pretty obvious because I put bad examples, but, but we're, <laughs> whatever, like maybe not, maybe it's like a movie that gets dragged 10 years from now or for, you know, things that people find it. Who knows? That's part of the fun of it. But Jennifer's body took everybody by surprise. It is unreal how in the current culture, Megan Fox is right now. Dude, <laughs> it's crazy to say that when I went back home, mm-hmm. Usually when I go to sleep, I'll put on something like Frasier or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, an old yeah. sitcom. Tranquility. And, and tranquility. <laughs> and I went on my parents' Hulu and they have the ones commercials. So I was like, eh, not doing that. Right. So then I was like, what should I put on? And then I just went on to Netflix and I put on the first show and it was New Girl. P- 
apparently there's a season of New Girl or like a handful of episodes, maybe six, seven, eight episodes where uh, what's her face, uh, Zoe Deschanel's not on it, replaced with Megan Fox. <laughs> wow. So it's weird that we're having this whole Megan that, Fox conversation. Right, but she had deserved it the whole time, so good for her. But, but you know, it's the relevance of where they are. But here's the thing. There are a lot of great revenge stories. We've been talking about some of them in 2009. I'm, I'm sad that I'm not even going to get to talk about the loved ones because that is such a near masterpiece that it deserved you know, to be more mentioned here. But the it's also a revenge story, right? The ultimate revenge story is this damn movie. Like Karen Kusama, she, she had worked on Eon Flux. The series or the movie? The movie, okay. right? And she had she she did Girl Fight, which was amazing. And then she got you know this chance to do a movie, and it, she got Finchered, like Alien Three. It's exact, but everything oh. that you think of of Alien Three, that's Eon Flux, but for her, right? Right. And she came out of it exactly the way Finchered did. She came out of it, and she goes, "I am never <laughs> going through this again. I'm not working on something I don't have complete control of." So she does Jennifer's Body, and that is a disaster at the time, right? Mm-hmm. But to 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 go in and be like you know what you people you have you have no idea like that you meddled with my Ian Flux you meddled with my movie you messed it up I know how to make a movie and then you make Jennifer's body now usually in the revenge story that's where you win and then it's a fail and then all the people are like whatever but it is now the most glorious win that all those people are just screwed right. <laughs> right because there's no way to get in front of this movie anymore this movie's ahead of you no you know what you know what you know what Jennifer's body did it did it did the district nine thing it's like i'll be back in 10 years <laughs> it really did i mean it's everywhere <laughs> they asked megan fox this one it was actually it was as horror fans regardless of how you felt about the movie at the time if you had a feeling about it and how you feel about it now it, this is such a win for horror Right, this moment. Yeah. Because they went to Megan Fox, who did all kinds of things and has like had the, you know this this career, and she, um, they asked her what movie do people come up and ask you about most, and she looked at him the way Jamie Lee Curtis looked at the guy who told her that her horror villain wear a hockey mask, like she looked at him like you're an idiot, and she and you think that the answer is going to be Transformers, and she just goes Jennifer's body. That's all anyone asks me about, and I love it, right? Oh, that's so good. I was like, that, right. I thought she was going to get no. mad or like talk no, about No, not them. mad at all. She, but, the, but it's just, it seems to her, it would be like asking uh, Tilly, you know, what horror movie fans ask her about. I mean, she, she in her mind, Jennifer's body is, is the best thing she's done in horror and maybe was done in horror at the time. She's really proud of it, right? Yeah. And and the fans who know are the ones they ask her all the time about it. And to have um, an actress who has done mainstream stuff too, be horror was the win. Horror is where that she got the chance. Yeah. Right. Horror is the place where she got to do the thing she's really proud of, and that people like. That is such a good thing for the genre. First of all. Second of all, it's just a great, <laughs> amazing movie. It, it remember we were talking about the how many surprises were being packed in these movies, right? This movie, the surprises, because the the loser, here's my curveball, the loser of 2009 was marketing. Mar- uh, everything sense. was so market, marketed that. so wrong. Splice was marketed wrong. The, the way they marketed Jennifer's body as if you're like, if you're on a high school football team, you're going to love this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, the movie's killing people on high school football teams, right? That's not like, that's not the, so it's, it's, to me, it's, 
a great revenge story. It's a great win for a genre. Most importantly, it's a great story and a great movie with really, really interesting performances. That's the thing. Like Amanda Seyfried, who also did incredible things in Twin Peaks The Return, is underrated for how spooky she can actually be when she's trying to be. That last mm-hmm. shot of her in the movie is whatever. And it's just glorious. And, and her eyes are kind of haunting. And the the... One of the things that I love about that movie is that it's, you know, you know how the the payoff of uh, matter of fact, I don't even have to go out of 2009 to do it. I'll just give you the example of Friday the 13th. They worked so hard and so stupidly to make us hate a certain character in that movie. He was the guy who owned the house yeah. with the perfect hair. I forget his name. It's like Chip. His or Hollywood hair. Ray, oh, yeah, whatever. The guy who gets impaled on the truck at the end. He, spoiler. Who cares? Because he's the complete douchebag. But it's the thing is that it's. The the idea here is you have the, this character that they just know they're going to kill and they want it to pay off for you. And as a horror audience, we resist because we don't want to be so obviously manipulated by the third. They gave, by, they gave me eight character traits for me to hate. By like <laughs> trait number four, I was like, oh my, we get it. Oh my God, yeah, I hate him. I'm going to, when he dies, you want the whole audience to stand up and cheer. But we were all like mad because... You oversold it, right? This movie, the payoff is the death of the band. And the death of the band happens in the credits yeah. <laughs> at the end, right? And it's actually gory, so they don't pull... They, I mean, it's good. It's well done, even in a horror sense. Like, if you're a horror fan, for you, all, all you care about is gore, you still got stuff to work with here. But the fact that they, they made the revenge people an afterthought, because that's where they deserve to be mm-hmm. right those characters didn't deserve tons of build up and tons of whatever and whatever the tr- movie treated those characters the way they should be treated right they were actually a setup for her greatness and then they just get discarded as an afterthought oh yeah we had to kill you guys too <laughs> at the end and the fact that it did it that way treated them the way they should be treated and then the movie got so maltreated <laughs> is so ironic that it's a great ultimate revenge. Great win for the genre. Great win for them. Gold medal. That's a great gold medal. <clears throat> I like that. But I, I feel a gold medal from you coming for the movie you thought that I was talking about. Well, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny you say that because the movie is the representation of the idea. Oh, okay. We're, get, we're going let's there. Do this. We're going that route. Right, let's so, do this. And I almost did something similar a few episodes back, but I don't remember what it was. But it was it was there was some tomfoolery going on with my with my gold medal. So my gold medal goes to the final nail in the coffin that all horror should be rated R. Oh, hit me! I love this argument. So obviously, the first one that comes to mind: PG thirteen horror, two thousand nine. Going to go drag me. Drag to me hell. to hell, right? Drag me to hell. And yep. I think if anyone was to to drive that nail into the coffin, it should come from someone who I think is one of the best horror mastros of our generation, our, our lifetime. Yes. Sam Raimi. Absolutely. You know, if it came from anyone else, maybe you can make the argument. But the fact that you had Sam Raimi being like, hey, here's a... P-, and I don't know if he meant for it to be PG-13. <laughs> the fact of the matter is it is PG-13. It is what it is. Uh, th- it's, it's an argument that 
you know, we've seen come up. We've probably talked about it on multiple episodes, but like, and we have to talk about it on the page all the time because it's an argument that gets brought up, or other people get hazed on our page, yeah, and because they're they're enjoying a PG thirteen horror movie, which I just don't have time for. And and what's fun? The reason I wanted to use Drag Me to Hell as love it. the nail is a lot of times people will bring up something like Poltergeist or something like that, and mm-hmm. then the retort for that is, well, they didn't have the MPAA system, PG thirteen rated r wasn't right. wasn't a thing they try to skew that into their thing which or is, the other retort is it would have been even better yeah it's great but if we made it r it would have been even cooler and you know the fact that we've been doing like you know horror podcasts and watching horror movies our whole life i i and as we were doing this episode i was thinking to myself how often do i look at a rating for a movie right i never look at a ring for a movie that's, I, a, that's I don't, interesting because a lot it. of horror fans would do i suspect but who gives a shit? <laughs> it's the most arbitrary thing because the MPAA is ran by a bunch of fucking moms and dads who don't want you to see a titty. Like that's like that's what they don't care about. Like I remember watching the behind the scenes of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and they were talking about the different types of blood that get you dinged by the MPAA. And right. if you have a gooey, stretchy type of blood, right. that gets you dinged too. So who gives a flying? You I, know, I'm with you. Who cares what these people say? Right. These people are inherently not going to like the types of movies <laughs> we are going out to see. True. True. I'm with you there. It doesn't matter. No. What matters to horror fans should be at the fundamental level, mm-hmm. and even for movie fans in general, should just be, is the story good? Right. Is the story right. good? Right. Is, is, if it's not, then the movie's going to suck. But see, so this is why I think about this like ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. It's like cilantro. Yeah. <laughs> right? If, if I watch a bunch of movies... And I don't enjoy any of them. And they're horror movies. And they're just not giving me what I wanted to get from a horror movie when I watched it, right? Mm -hmm. And then I look back at the recipe and I'm like, all right, who directed it? I'm like, oh, there's all from the 90s or all, you know, it's all black and white or like whatever. And then one of the recipes is, oh, they're all PG-13. I didn't watch a single R movie. Well, then I might just start to suspect the cilantro. But (laughs) if you eat some these meals of these movies... And you look back and there's, oh, I did enjoy that one. Or that one is good. If you didn't look at it, you just went in and didn't prejudge it. You truly watched it and judged it out of own merits. Then you didn't like it. Well, then maybe you just don't like cilantro. It reminds me of, right? it reminds me of the thing they did with uh, sommeliers and with wine. Mm-hmm. They the, took the blind taste. Yeah, test. they did the blind taste mm-hmm. test to all these people who thought. I they almost knew. said that instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they thought they knew everything about wine, and they would be like, "Oh, this is clearly the expensive wine, and it was the cheap wine, and this is the cheap wine, and it's the expensive wine." Like they just they got all of it completely wrong. Well, and it's also just tossing aside all of the foundation stones of horror because your captain Dr. Caligari is not R, right? Like <laughs> Frankenstein. Of Frankenstein's not R, right? These no. movies aren't R. They and and Night of the Hunter is not R. But if you have an imagination, it's NC seven fucking T. Right. If you just have an imagination, well, right? It's P it's it's PG. But if you have an imagination, it's X. So just work with the movie if it's great. You know, collaborate with it while you're watching it. Don't just sit there and... And there's no way you can t- you can look me in the eyes and say... Because here's the thing. Whenever things are rated R, it's usually nudity, uh, gore, or language. Mm-hmm. Like, that's usually what it is. Sure. And, and to me, those aren't the things that make the movies great. Right. Like, it's just not. It's just not. Like, so here's, here's, here's some other... Not movies. having those things when you felt like the story needed those things might be a sign of it not being great. 
But that's all things you'd have to know yeah. <laughs> watching it, which you probably aren't going to know. Well, there, but then there's classic examples of stuff like uh, Black Cat. Like, they don't show you what's going on in the room. You hear what's going on in the room. You see the blood come out through the door. Like, that totally. isn't that is inherently more scary than seeing someone get mauled. Totally. To death. At least for me. I'm sure there's some people who would argue, but those aren't the people I'm trying to <laughs> Reach, speak, right. speak to right now. But there's – so here's some other movies that are PG-13 that – Shocked me. Like, as we're recording this episode, I, I, I thought it. for sure they were rated R. So, the first one is Insidious. Oh, good one. Insidious is PG 13, my dude. Yeah, like, that makes that uh, makes sense thinking back on the experience of it, but wow. The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which recently came up in conversation because Scott Derrickson. Which is, which is, uh, I mean, that's if you don't think that's a movie that is least terrifying for some. Then I don't know what to do with you. Yeah, scary stories to tell in dark was PG thirteen, but that makes, that makes, that sense. makes sense. But that was also like pr- like there was people in the theater. enjoyable. Yeah, the ring. Okay, drag me to hell. The ring, the ring scared a generation yeah. of people. Following the ring is the American remake of The Grudge, which I was in middle school when that movie came out, and that movie terrified absolutely everyone. Was making that that yeah, uh, yeah. noise like that was absolutely frightening. Yeah. A Quiet Place was PG thirteen. That makes sense. The Quiet Place dictated how people moved in a movie theater. <laughs> the Quiet Place made people tiptoe because they didn't want to make any noise. Yep. But imagine, Nick, let me kind of argue this. Imagine Quiet Place was R. I mean, how amazing would that have been? You, the, you would have walked out and your ears would have fallen off. It just would have been more blood. And I don't care I just, about the you know that's, I mean, the, it's, it, that's why how how stupid this argument is because that's not what the movie was going for. The movie was going for what it was going for, like the dynamics between the family, the the nice sweeping shots of the fields with all the lights and whatever. It was it didn't need those things. Oh, here's some more. Uh, these oh yeah no no one's ever liked these movies. Uh, Tremors, <laughs> Monster Squad, Killer Clown, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is PG thirteen. That's which is, which is which is crazy. <laughs> so I mean I mean the list goes on and on. Like right. there's there's just there's just and, so many and I mean obviously there's space for R and worse like whatever horror. What, what, I mean it's not that we right. don't like R. That's not the of thing. course. That's why I'm saying yeah. what I'm saying oh, is sorry, because it's so easy to misunderstand like whatever. It's not that. It's just it doesn't need to be to be great. Yeah, it just needs to be what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. If the person making it is whatever, like you, if if Alfred Hitchcock was resurrected right now, right, I suspect he might just go make really bad R movies. <laughs> like, he might have been one of those people who needed censorship. Yeah, I, I, ironically, <laughs> like whatever. Right, but how would you know? Until you did it, what is the thing that makes suits you? I mean, Orson Welles, you know, made some great movies, but I mean, in in terms of success with Hollywood, whatever, he made one. Yeah, right. If you're as talented Orson Welles and you could pull off one <laughs> of those, and you did like thirty, that means that even the people themselves don't know whether they need to be PG or R or mm-hmm. NC seventeen or what they need to be until they start doing it. And who the hell are we to tell them? We can tell them after with our response and yeah. how we feel about it and how we what tickets we bought and like whatever. But how, how do you tell them in advance or while you're just going to the theater to sit down? Like, nope, I'm out. I don't care what you say, Scott Derrickson. I know More that you're an R guy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> right? it's, it's just such a weird arbitrary thing. And I always think I always thought the argument whenever it pops up in the group is just kind of like a silly one because like I just mentioned Coraline. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, right. Definitely right, not. Right. Rated R, but it's a great movie. And I just, my, I guess my, my whole plea and my whole idea for this is if you are one of those people who truly believe in that, 
just give it like one more shot. Like that that that's all I ask I agree. for. Just give it one. And I, you know, and if you if after you watch like one or two PG thirteen horror movies and you still think it needs to be R, if you gave it a shot, I don't think that's the way to do it. I I I think they should give it one more shot. But I think the the shot they could give it, or at least the thing that I did. The, I remember vastly enjoying. I remember not getting um, like fifties sci-fi for some reason that just never connected with me. So like I like I love classic horror, I love black and white horror and all that stuff. Cat, yeah. people, cat people for you. The Atomic my, Age didn't my do favorite it for you. horror movie, but for some reason that whole them you know I, this island Earth era the um, uh, what's the one with Klaatu the most famous one the Day of the Earth Day of the Earth stood still right. So for some reason those always were made me really sleepy (laughs) when I tried to watch them or think about them or whatever. Right. But, uh, I read in a book somewhere, someone who written something about these movies. And he said, when you watch a movie, imagine watching it as the people who are seeing it, imagine the mindset they were in. Right. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I've never tried to watch a movie as not myself before. Hard to do. I right? can imagine. <laughs> right? Like almost as an actor, but flipped instead of the yeah. actors being on the screen, you're acting like a person who is hiding under their desks and doing atomic bomb drills and, mm-hmm. you know, thinks the Soviets are hiding behind every bush and whatever. <laughs> right. So, and I sat there and I remember the, my experience of the movie changed. It got oh, wow. more magical, right? The darks got darker. The grays got like shinier. It was, you could tell that it was just a really vivid thing to, that was really scary to them. All that gray stuff that made me feel sleepy or whatever was like featureless things they couldn't figure out. They were desperately trying to get clues from the things they saw. And everything was just gray. Right. <laughs> they couldn't figure out what was what. And it was too slippery to grab hold of. It's like the free solo guy trying to climb a refrigerator wall. Mm-hmm. Right. So th- then I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> like, I can see it. It's a more enjoyable. So just give it, sit down with a PG-13 movie and just put yourself in the mindset of someone who's seeing it when they're 12. Or put yourself in the mindset of someone who's seeing it at the time that it came out. Or so right. someone who, right, like... Don't just sit there, <laughs> right? Like active viewing is better than active viewing. Than passive like, viewing. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Active viewing. Active viewing is what we're what we, what we stand for. Yeah, and <laughs> actively subscribing to the podcast. <laughs> Good segue. There like we go. It. That's our that's our that's our that's our one ask today there is subscribe is. to the podcast. Yeah, just subscribe wherever you wherever you subscribe to what you get <laughs> what you listen to. Uh, we would really appreciate uh, the the subscribe button. It's it's not only to to me. It's one of the things that the few things that when you get really excited about when you see change. Yes, right? and if you're on Spotify, there's a bell you can hit that lets you know. I didn't know this. Oh, I, I didn't know. Yeah, there's about Spotify. A, so, yeah, so yeah. So on Spotify, you can there's a bell that you can hit, and the notification looks pretty cool. So I was like, <laughs> you like the aesthetics of it? I like the aesthetics of it. That's it, amazing. It, it's pretty cool. You know? <laughs> but but subscribe to the show if you're listening to this and you and you, and you really dug it. Uh, means and thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And and give us suggestions we did finally get a couple i did we got messages you convinced someone on so our show automatically uploads on youtube oh that's right and the youtube yeah I, I, we someone, someone was talking about they were reading a book that i had talked about and watch convince them to watch midnight mass which is i mean that's, that's freaking that's, cool that's great because the i mean it's it's really well done i'm still thinking <laughs> about that show too <laughs> yeah me too it's weird right like that's but the yeah it, it's fine it's good i to me it was it was cool to see the the when not just the changes but the fact that people sent us suggestions of what year to do next. Yeah, right. Two thousand nine 
was one of the ones I looked up because we got a message from the group saying, hey, 2009 has a lot of great horror in it, which is which is Accurate. completely true. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not that it's perfect and not to whatever. But I, again, it's startling looking across it. I didn't expect it was like I found three or four of every kind of genre you would want. Yeah. All like at least ably represented. <laughs> I mean, this I mean, we had we had three documentaries in this year. Right, and then that we, we we upcoming on a future one of these, I'm sure we're going to be doing 1995. We can't avoid it forever. Yeah, it's one of those years. <laughs> it's where... one of those years, but it's going to be a radically different episode than the one you just listened to if you came this far, because <laughs> there's just nothing to choose from there. Like, what am, my number two winner is going to be Vampires in Brooklyn. Our optimism will be exhausted <laughs> <laughs> for the year 1995. So come along for the ride just for that, because eventually we're going to run out of good years, and then it's going to be very frustrating. So I know. We're, you can laugh at us then. We are teasing <laughs> maybe doing the, the, the newest VHS is getting crazy good reviews. Oh, yeah. Definitely got it. We got to check that you know, out. The anthology oh, I don't know how I missed that. That's crazy. It just, it's just, I think it just came out. Like, oh, okay. they did. I think they showed it at, like Beyond. Yeah, Fest. but I didn't even. I I sort of vaguely knew that it was emerging, but I had it on a different clock. It was on the film festival clock where you actually and you see never it know. Like when, yeah, when it's on film seven festival. months later or something. Yeah, right? you never know because and then all of a sudden it was out and yeah. everyone was talking about it. Companies like, buy it and they hold on to it for a year and then you know crazy things happen. But cool. apparently it's out. So <laughs> all right, well let us know what we should do next. We're on Facebook. We get all the messages in the world. So let's let us know what you think. Thank yeah, you. Hit us there at Hello Weekly and we will. Talk to you next time. Stay scary. Watch a bunch of horror movies. And if it's raining, you know what film to put on. <laughs> Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye, guys.